This program is brought to you by PersonalLifeMedia.com. This program is intended for mature audiences only. Welcome to Just for Women, Dating, Relationships, and Sex. I'm your host, Elisa Kreitman. This show is dedicated to providing today's modern women with useful information we need to make empowered, conscious choices. Today on the show, we're going to talk about what it means to be in a modern relationship. We've come such a long way in being empowered women and having rights, making our own choices, and that includes love relationships. On the show today, I'll be speaking with relationship expert Liana Silver about her vast insight into modern recipes for relationships that sizzle. Liana has a background in holistic health counseling, relationship counseling, and she has a master's in neuro-linguistic programming. Liana, welcome to Just for Women. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, me too. You know, we've talked before I've had you on the show and you gave such great information about what it is to be in a kind of modern monogamous relationship and and all of the different facets that we might want to talk about when we're in relationship, things that we might not think about um, as it pertains to being successful in a relationship. But it sounds like you've taken a little bit of a different track now. And what we're talking about is this modern idea of relationship. So in your estimation, what is a modern relationship? Well, um, I'd say a couple of things. And this is happening very quickly. If if we even rewind, uh, let's say, it was about the 1950s, 1960s that birth control became widely available. And that's significant because um, modern relationships are based on, in the very short term, right, in the last, say, 100 years, we've gotten all this based on choice. We can choose who we are with. We can choose whether we're married. We can choose based on love, based on whether we have a soul connection with this person. Uh, we don't need, uh, as women, we don't need to be married or um, in the care of a man of some sort, husband, etc., for our the roof over our head, for financial survivor, for financial survival, Um and we can choose whether we're going to have 18 babies or not. And this has happened in the last 50 or 60 years, right? So modern relationships are incredibly complex and moving at an amazing rate, but based on some really great things. I can choose who I want to love and whether I want to stay with them for a week or a lifetime. I can choose based on my desire, my emotional desire, my sexual desire, and I can choose when I, when I go or when I stay. And that's really rich territory, but it brings with it some complexities. Yeah. Before we get into those complexities, what do you have to say to women who hear what you're saying and they think, that's not me. I'm still afraid. I still, um, actually want that kind of traditional life where the man takes care of me and the babies and I don't have to work and I actually want that. What do you have to offer? Well, my my thank you to our foremothers who are the feminists and um, created so much change is that, that they didn't 
create this change so that we could become, Gloria Steinem has a quote that says, we are becoming the men we wanted to marry. And that gives me a little bit of an ouch that I don't think women need to become men. The whole point of the suffragist and the feminist movement was to give us choice. So if you want to stay home and raise babies and have your man take care of you, do it. Gorgeous, beautiful choice. The point is just what do you want and how do you do it from your authentic expression and do it where you're juicy and lit up and radiant the whole time. Right? I'm pretty agnostic as to what form your relationship takes. Right. So basically it's discerning whether or not this is actually a choice that we're making on our own or whether it's something from the paradigm in which we grew up, like we're supposed to have babies or we're supposed to do this. Because I know for myself, I was supposed to go to business school and I hated business school, but I went, (laughs) you know. So so what's what is your offering for to help women discern who they really are and what they really want? Well, women, I think, um, have, I call it a DSL connection to like creative life force rather than dial up. You know, (laughs) we all have it. It's just men are like, you know, the old times where you like, you know, it takes like a minute for you to put in the code and get the little sound back. And you're waiting, waiting, waiting for the connection to be made with the internet. And finally you get on. It's like men have it. They just don't have it readily on all the time that women do. Now, what this means is that, so we are still, in case you didn't notice, women in a, primarily in a man's world. So our our life force can get a little bit dim just because we're doing, we're like just in a masculine world. So it's really important that we um, feed or hone or pay attention to that DSL connection, we can't take it for granted. And by that, I mean our connection to um, what actually does imbue us with life force, what does make us radiant and intelligent and on fire and gracious and generous and uh, kind of, you know, great loving beings. Yeah, it's interesting. I love playing devil's advocate because... uh, I think about um, survival, you know, and women in survival. And how do we move from a paradigm of surviving life into a paradigm of really enjoying life and choosing life? Yeah. You know, and like I said, okay, so so this has been uh, survival, Reality has been going on for more than 5,000 years. And so then we just come in in the last, say, 100 and switch it all around. And our bodies and our DNA and our ancestral DNA, you know, that's a little more esoteric, but really comes into play. That doesn't change overnight. That doesn't change in such a short few generations. So we might have all the choice in the world, but we may be acting out survival mentality as well. And that's, it's understandably confusing for us as women. Yeah. You know, I just saw the movie Precious and it was so painful. I mean, I, and I think that that movie has come around in a time where it's like, okay, we can actually look at this movie and not be totally horrified and get that like, just because we have a background that was a particular way doesn't mean that our life has to be given by that as well. And of course, it's a woman who has all these traumas in her family life and all this stuff she has to overcome and she's doing it and she's doing it. 
But it really took some sort of like deep sense of um, commitment to herself. And of course, my whole thing this year is about radical self-care. And I'm, I'm, I'm literally doing an experiment and I'm starting to see the access way to out out of what you've been saying, like these hundreds and thousands of years of being in survival mode of, you know, women are this and men are that and busting outside of the boxes. And, you know, it's kind of what Precious did. She was like, wow, I've been abused. I've had all this crazy stuff happen to me. And I know somewhere deep inside there's something better. So can you speak to that you called it that DSL line. Is that what you're talking about where women know they know better? They know themselves. They know that the relationship they're in that might be abusive is not good for them. But, you know, to have that courage to break those patterns, it sounds like. Absolutely. I I think... Um I call it this DSL connection, but what is it connecting to? And I'm going to just, I'm going to throw a whole bunch of things out there. And when you hear this, you'll hear yours, right? It's instinct. It's life force. It's your own knowing. It's your, like your joy. Um, it's your feeling kind of like a light switch. You're turned on rather than off. And as women, we have the ability to be really connected to this and to know, and to act from that place, but life obscures it. Life definitely, yeah, traumas in your background, just daily life definitely dims it. And it's something that, as you have dedicated this year to, actually need to dedicate time to and really put on the top of the priority list. Yeah, yeah, that's what I've been noticing. And so, you know, let's talk more about, you talked about these complexities with um, modern relationship and of course, I'm just thinking that like self-love is definitely one of the key access points because how would you even know how to love somebody uh, if you don't have that love and compassion for yourself? That's what I keep reading. That's what I keep hearing, right? So it's like, oh, it's time for me to do that for myself too so I can have that experience. Um, what are these other complexities with modern relationship? Um, well, uh, so the first one I think is in fact, the health of the woman, if there's a woman in the relationship, the health, the vibrancy, um, the lit upness of that woman is going to affect the, the relationship inordinately. So that's one. The other thing that, um, so this is going to get into some edgy territory real quick, right? So we can now choose our relationships based on um, okay, I'm hot for this person. I sexually desire this person. My family didn't decide I needed to marry them. I want to marry them because I'm attracted to them. And what happens about uh, two years into your relationship or kind of right when the first child happens, you know, pregnancy or first year, generally those are the first times where attraction and desire totally makes a shift. It could happen 10 or 15 years into the relationship as well, but we don't necessarily have any kind of modern okayness, modern tools to deal with that. We have a lot of um, suggestions from traditional or conventional relationships, which say stay together, but we didn't get together for those reasons. So we come to a bit of an impasse. And I think that knowing those questions to ask either while you're in it or before can really help. Meaning there's going to be a time where desire shifts. We get used to each other right? What fuels erotic tension is not the same thing that creates domestic bliss. They're different. They cancel each other out. So the edgy part is how you, 
looking, taking your head out of the sand and going, it's going to happen. It's going to happen in my relationship. And then asking ourselves the hard questions. What are we going to do to, to up our creativity and our commitment to feeding that? Um, some people choose to open up their relationship and connect with other people. But regardless, it doesn't matter as long as you know it's going to happen, probably. Um, and that's not fault of you or a fault of the relationship, but just need some more creativity and juice. Yeah, it's interesting because, um, like you said, the two-year mark, you know, there's all these sort of markers that, you know, we're supposed to look out for in relationship when things start shifting. And definitely, I can see having a baby would be one of them. It's just how we're going to be when these shifts naturally arise, not take them personally, but also stay open and grounded enough in ourselves and our confidence in ourselves that we can navigate and look for ourselves and not necessarily stay in a situation relationship that isn't feeding us on our highest level. And you talked about this lit upness. Like if we aren't lit up, then what are we doing to do that? So let's take a break and we'll come back and we'll talk more about that. I'm your host, Elisa Kreitman. You're listening to Just for Women, Dating, Relationships, and Sex. We're speaking with Liana Silver about modern relationships, and we'll be right back. Lisa Kreitman, your host of Just for Women, Dating, Relationships, and Sex. We're speaking with relationship expert Liana Silver about what it is to be in a modern relationship. And before the break, we were talking about how complex it is to actually be in a modern relationship, all the choices we have now, how important self-love is as a kind of structural container for um, a relationship. And so, Liana, we were talking about this lit upness, the natural changes that are going to arise in relationships. Things are naturally going to shift. What are some other things we need to be aware of in a modern relationship? And can you tell us more about what it actually means to be in a modern relationship sure um let's see well part one what it means to be in a modern relationship i think you wow (laughs) there's so much to talk about but um the element of generally we can stay or we can go even if we get married right divorce rates are depends which census you look at but somewhere around still over half so we get confused whether we should stick something out because we know there's something good on the other side or whether we're out of there because it's not feeding our highest self or whatever. Um, so that's a complexity of modern relationship. Right. We don't necessarily stay in the same small town. Um, you know, life, it, we, we move, we, um, we, we don't have the same family ties and it 
it has a different toll on our relationships, on our love relationships. That's a good one. Family, you know, the support they say it takes a a village to raise a family, you know, or to raise these children. And I think that's a good point, you know, that we don't have the same structure, especially the nuclear family. And especially here in the Bay Area, you know, people, these urban, what are they called? The urban, the urban, there was a book written about it. It's not, it's the urban tribes. Yeah, that we find people we naturally resonate to that aren't our family of origin. So, okay, we have a lot more choice. We, we're also talking about this desire, you know, and what happens when desire goes away. Because I know a lot of my audience, I get a lot of emails about that. This desire, where is it coming from? Is it... Um, you know, how do we know when to stay? How do we know when to go? Good one. Good one. So there's, um, you know, in my background, I didn't become a relationship innovator overnight, right? I had crappy relationships that I messed up over and over again, really, just to be honest. And I started to go, you know, is it me or is it them? Or is it just relationships in general? And I think that's a really useful process. Is it me, right? Taking a look at where you've been bruised and and affected from your own background and um, family of origin so that there is self-love and there is self-awareness. And absolutely looking at who is this person? What do I want? So the process of becoming more aware and of allotting resources to loving you and to appreciating you and being aware of you will start that process. So it just gets you more and more connected to, um, I'm not just out of there because it feels like all the other relationships and I'm just reacting because that's how it went in my family, right? So we don't want to do that. We don't. We either get the lesson in this relationship or the next one or the next one or the next one. Uh, so that's a big one, I think. Um, Allotting resources, ladies. See, we I keep doing these interviews, and it's inevitable. And it's not like I'm doing it on purpose. But the point just keeps coming back to, like, this radical self-care. It requires allotting time, energy, and resources. And so I just, I just feel like... If people think I'm planting this, no, it, it's it's like, thank God. I heard we have to hear things seven times before they actually go in. We have to allot time, energy, and resources to ourselves, to this radical self-care so we can actually, like you said, have this awareness. Like we want to have these great relationships, but it seems to be like this deep dive into ourselves, like where the ego's running the show. We'd pay more for clothes than we would for, you know, some kind of workshop or process work or even therapy, like coaching, whatever it is. And so even shifting those ideals and being a stand for ourselves, like, okay, this is going to cost something, time, money, energy, and I'm going to do it. Absolutely. And there's not... This is a point where this has to come from within, right? Because there is not support. There's it's, Our life's, lives are quick. You know, if you're in the, you have a job, I mean, you're not supported to take care of yourself. You know, it has to come from within. And um, like you stick your stake in the stand and like, this is important. I am important. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I there's a theory, I think it's called the flywheel theory for women's sensuality and sexuality. Let me tell you the theory and I'll tell you why it's important. It's kind of like if you picture a merry-go-round, the old-fashioned kind in a kid's playground, you have to push it to keep it going. So sometimes our sensuality, like how how much of that DSL connection we're aware of, or how alive we feel, or how um, full of life 
and life purpose we are, it, it, um, it, we give it a push and then it kind of um, dwindles down. So we need to be mm-hmm. conscious to keep giving ourselves little pushes so that um, so our energy is constant. Um, well, do you yeah. mean sexual, sensual, sexual, sensual energy has to keep being ignited? And then if so, why? So I think... I'm going to talk about the usefulness of sensual and sexual energy. I think it's perfectly natural to have an amazing life and not run a whole lot of sensual sexual energy. So let me say that outright. I'm not going to be a, you know, a sexual bully here, but the way I look at it, especially because this is what people are coming to me for is that actually our sexual energy and our sensual energy is synonymous with life force, creative life force energy. And that's a bit of a spiritual look at it. It's a bit of an energetic look at it, but the things that make the cherry trees blossom are the same thing, the essence that has your skin glow and you know right from wrong and you feel like a million bucks. And unfortunately, we need to give it a little kick here and there so that we so that we can keep having that at our fingertips. Yeah, it reminds me of an interview I did with Nicole Daydone recently who has this, you know, urban retreat center based all around orgasmic exploration. And that's a lot of what she's talking about. And I don't know if the rest of the world is uh, hearing about this, but it's almost like uh, you talked about health before. And I would think mental health, sexual health, you know, health, uh, how healthy is the woman in the relationship? Of course, sexuality has a big part to play in that. But like you were saying, there's so much to wade through, but that it's a safe now for us as women to actually start to look and explore, okay, if I'm going to be healthy, how does my sexuality play a role? What is even happening here? There is um, a wonderful book, I'll just throw it out there, called The Erotic Mind by Jack Morin, M-O-R-I-N, and he um, basically roadmapped or plumbed our erotic psyches so that there's a whole spectrum of what has us be erotically charged and some of it's really light and beautiful and some of it's kind of dark and it's fine it's just sort of that we know ourselves Mm. so we're going to just head a little bit into a vagueish area right of erotic connection with ourselves Um, and i love that you mentioned uh nicole's work because in fact it was a couple days ago i was in Sorry, this might be a little TMI, but I think it's good. I was in a sensual situation, right? And just um, practicing something where taking these really beautiful sensations and moving them throughout my body so it's not centered in genitals or one area of the body and moving them throughout my body and practicing breath and kind of practicing that expansion. And I, so I didn't even, it wasn't particularly sexual. I didn't have an orgasm. And I was, afterward, I was like, that was food that my body is so much more alive and like I felt enlivened and I just reinforced my own practices and my my belief right it's it's like a different nutrient and I just wanted it for every woman you know yeah it's really sounds like what you're saying is there's such a giant shift in how we relate to sex that it's not goal oriented that it's not totally about this kind of you know, build up of orgasm and then this crashing down. But there's an energy in in sexuality that's life giving, life force giving. 
And I know the tantrics talk about this all the time, you know, in these tantric practices where we are talking about flowing of energy as a way to nourish ourselves. And so I'm really glad you brought up that point because I think it's so important, especially if we're going to have a modern relationship. I think sexuality is probably at the forefront. So let's take another quick break. And when we come back, I'd love to talk to you about men. I know you deal with men, you talk to men. And of course, we always want to know what's up with men. So not only what's up with men, but what's up with men in this modern um, relationship scene? Like, how are they shifting? What are they wanting? How are they transforming as we transform ourselves? So we're going to take a quick break. My name is Elisa Kreitman. You're listening to Just for Women, Dating, Relationships, and Sex. Don't forget, listeners, that you can contact me. Just send me an email to Alisa, A-L-I-S-S-A, at personallifemedia.com. Or you can call me, and I'd love to play some of the snippets on the show. So give me a call at 206 350 5333 and leave me a message. I'd love to hear your feedback, any ideas you have. And so we're speaking with Liana Silver today about modern relationships, and we'll be right back. Kreitman. You're listening to Just for Women, Dating, Relationships, and Sex. And today we're talking about, oh, such a juicy topic. You know, it just feels so refreshing. I love talking about modern stuff because this show is really about, you know, how do we be empowered women in all that we do? And so having this perspective on what are the pitfalls or what are the things we need, the opportunities of modern relationship in this day and age, given that we are so much more empowered than we ever have been before? you know, what do we need to look out for? So I appreciate what we've been talking about. And before the break, we were talking about sex. Um, and we can talk a little more about that. And I'm really curious to hear about men. What's going on with men? Um, so I want to start with, you probably know this, but in case you don't, I'm just going to come out with like the full on jam right away. So I want to tell you what men want from women. Like this is what they want. And it's not just to get in your pants. I mean, they really, really do want that. But um, the the main thing that they want is they just want women to be happy. And they're just, just really trying to figure it out. And so I say that because when you, one of my teachers says, be happy and blame it on him. <laughs> Meaning when you take the time and resources and, and like are allotting your energy towards radical self-care and self-awareness and harnessing this life force energy and you are lit up and enjoying life and happy is another way to say it you're already feeding your relationship in this amazing way it is what he wants but let me tell you else what what else is going on with men i think they are also in their post-feminist phase meaning they have really taken a look at the ways that they've been um jerks and um have been um, shut down around their emotions and, you know, a little bit more generous, open-hearted ways of being. 
And yet they're sort of losing some of their spine or some of their ability to like be forceful and passionate in their and purposeful in their lives. So they're having to reintegrate in a similar way, I think. Um, how can they... I think the main thing, the way, the way it shows up is like, how can I be a nice guy and considerate and also share my desires with women? Like just that I want to want to try something new or I have this sexual desire or I want to be held or I want to um, say this thing. How can I do it without being a macho jerk, but also really own that? So I think it's difficult. I think they're having some difficulties. So it's difficult to be a man who is starting to tap into all of his emotions um, and needs. It sounds like guys are really starting to locate, hey, you have all your needs. I actually have needs that need to be met as well. And they're struggling a little bit with how to have their needs met in a way that's not forceful and aggressive, but more being able to just own that. So it sounds like confidence type stuff. I don't know. What are some ways that we as women can support men in asking for what they want? Well, um, you know, the crux of what a lot of what I do is working with women and men to see the different ways we were, we process information and, and almost speak and relate in such different ways that a lot gets lost in translation. So we blame and get really reactive. Um, and so a lot of the work that I do is kind of decoding that and demystifying that, but just in a, in a, in the essence here, um, I think what you can do is is kind of this is a little indirect method which is appreciate him. <laughs> um really just check in, find something that's really going great about him and let him know and let him know regularly. And this is important because he'll start to realize he's not screwing up with you all the time which is one of the main things that guys feel all the time. And that he's, when he's screwing up, he's going to keep his cards close to his chest and not really share. So by letting him know, you think he's pretty great. And I know there might be issues and things to work on. I know, I know, I know. But just as generally, like when you notice the things that are going well about him, say it. Um, this allows him to come out a little bit more. He feels like it's safe territory. I could share. I could ask. I could... Um, I could be here a little more fully and not get my head bitten off. So if there's a woman in a relationship and she finds herself unable to offer this consistent appreciation for her man, is that a signal she shouldn't be in the relationship? It's a signal to look at whether she should. I don't think it's a definitive, um, uh, that's, I got a jam. There's a gazillion reasons why. I mean, she might have a hard time appreciating uh, him, there's a lot of reasons. Like we've been taught as women, keep him down. Don't don't tell him he's doing a good job, or he'll leave and take off with somebody else. We have we have weird things going on, right? Um, but it's a good opportunity to look look at self awareness again. Look at how happy you are, and can things be adjusted in the relationship to have new life, or are you just not compatible and it's not a good idea? Okay, cool. Be happy. Men want us to be happy. I've definitely heard that before, and I can say from my experience, I think that's true. And that stands in the face of what I think a lot, like you said, a lot of women have learned 
Um, and there's something really tender about that, that regardless of how, you know, people grew up or whatnot, that there's this fundamental desire for men to want women to be happy. What is it for women? What What's our fundamental? Is it the nurturing? Is that what, you know, it's like men want women to be happy. What do women want for men? Um women want for men it's a slightly differently so let me just back up a second men want women to be happy because listen i'll tell you guys tell me that a happy woman is like sunshine like color in a black and white world they want you to be happy because they get a lot of goodness out of it right your life itself your life force energy itself so what um women want from men there's a couple things we want their um that we want to be seen and appreciated, right? To be seen, to be heard. There's something in that witnessing process that allows our um, radiance to come out. What we want from them, we want their, there's three things. We want their presence and their strength and also their uh, feeling, their, their ability to feel us. So we want them to not zone out or jam out. We want their presence. We want them to be strong, not like a macho jerk or an inflexible beast, but they're, they just have this, men have a way of calling on this universal strength and we want them to feel us because when they jam out, it's really a bubber. <laughs> yeah, totally. So we want their presence, their strength and to feel us. And if we didn't already know that, if we've been sort of dancing around in relationship frustrated, not really knowing what is it about this guy that I'm in this relationship with or this marriage with that is driving me a little nuts. You're saying these are some really important places to look. Is he being present with me? Can he maintain eye contact? Can he stay in challenging situations and not lose himself? And then there's this kind of strength without being macho. What is that? Can you say more about that? Is that like his emotional balancing out? Like he, you know, because we talk about surrender too. I mean, God, there's so much to talk about here. It's extraordinary. And so I could see where if a man doesn't have this kind of strength that we trust, that we're not going to surrender. We're not going to get into this whole like, oh, let me surrender and flow my life force through my body so I can be happy so you can be happy. You know, There's so many roadblocks. Absolutely. There's a lot of, um, I talk a lot about the word surrender. I think I'm, I'm trying to coin a new word because surrender is such a great state, but it also has this term, right? Like you surrender your land to your enemy. Like it's a horrible term, right? Totally. What we're talking about is sort of receptivity, right? Or or voluntarily being vulnerable or open with somebody is really what we're talking about. And absolutely freaking not. No way am I going to do that if someone's not trustworthy, right? <laughs> yeah, let's redefine a new word right now. What did you say? Voluntary receptivity? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we'll keep digging. <laughs> yeah. I came up with something um, which was uvoli, but it's not, it's not going to work. Yeah. The semantics board didn't approve it. Oh, but meaning voluntarily open. That was like Latin and French and yeah, it didn't work. Um, but voluntarily, like I, I give you my neck, like a cat, you know, gives you their jugular. Like I, you can have the tender parts and you don't do that unless you trust somebody and you feel them like they have your back. They're not going to jam out and they're not going to crumble, you know? 
Absolutely. Which again is the gateway to actually working on the relationship. Like it's a modern relationship. There's all this stuff going on. There's all these ways that we could derail and, you know, contribute to the 50% divorce rate or not. We can actually start to, you know, look at ourselves and be okay that we can own some of the vulnerable stuff that isn't, hasn't always been safe to explore. And so I, I think what you're saying too is creating that sense of safety for each other that what is coming up in relationship is natural and that, you know, it, it's there to work on. You know, I just got all excited when you said that. Um, that some, another attribute of modern relationships, I think, is that recognizing, um, things only coast one direction, right? They go downhill without any input and that our incredible self-realization and spiritual growth and personal growth can happen through the vessel of relationships. I once got interviewed on this TV show and they asked, you know, can relationship do the same thing as an ashram? traditionally does right like you go and you learn from a master to have this one you 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 ally with lineage to learn about your spiritual adulthood or possibly enlightenment and granted a relationship is much messier and much more full of landmines and it takes a ton but it's a done with heart and art it is a viable path to our spirituality, to our, our, our wholeness, right? And it's, mm. it's, it's intense, it's complex, but it can be path. Totally. That's what I love about uh, Vajrayana Buddhism, aka Tantra. Um, but it's so whacked out in the West, you know, there's all this neo-tantra that just takes the sexuality out of that, you know, um, the whole teaching of what tantric Buddhism is and the, the mantra and the song and the teachings of all kinds of things, not just sexuality, but that is the whole point, that your relationship is part of the vehicle to awareness and consciousness and waking up. And what a awesome path, what an awesome container to um, look at this stuff inside of we are out of time i hate that this is this is like my least favorite part of the interview (laughs) so tell us where we can find you and what cool things are going on so you can find me at love 3.0 so it's l-o-v-e number three p-o-i-n-t number zero <laughs> love 3.0.com and if you misspell that you're gonna find me anyways because i bought all the domains because uh, i know that's a screwy domain i just had to do it i had to talk about love in this modern age so love 3.0.com and um, it's really as lisa said before modern recipes for relationships that sizzle and can withstand the 21st century yeah. and um, i'm just all about women and their partners having something extraordinary uh usually break it down into Seven different ingredients for your recipes and it's not a chasm it's not like a huge uh, vast distance between you and this extraordinary relationship it's paper thin and your desire to to make it work and getting a few resources and a little bit of creativity totally can have it this is what i'm all about Nice. Thank you so much for bringing this kind of information to us, which is really a blend of heart and edginess. And um, really, it, it, it shows how much you've done your work with this exploration of you being an empowered woman and having this modern relationship that thrives um, because you are 
tell us a little bit about you. What's going on? Uh, well, listen, I've been with my partner for seven years, and I messed up every relationship before this one, I got to tell you, and I got it right with this one. And um, we definitely have used it as a vehicle for our personal growth and relationship growth and spiritual growth. And we got engaged um, last September and getting married in a couple months and really enjoying uh, creating that ceremony to be a reflection of, of what we're all about. And um, I learn so much. I just stay humble <laughs> with this guy. He's just great. I'm really grateful to what that he conjured me and I conjured him and um, that I our, our relationship is the crucible through which I, I learn a lot of stuff and pass it on. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. That's so extraordinary. I love hearing that. Humility. Heard it from an expert. <laughs> All right, we got to go. I'm signing off. I'm your host, Elisa Kreitman. You've listened to Just for Women, Dating, Relationships, and Sex. And that brings us to the end of the show. Thank you so much for listening. As always, if you want text and transcripts of this show, just go to justforwomenshow.com. That's where you'll find more information about Liana Silver, Love 3.0, and all of the great stuff that's going on with Just for Women. So, thank you so much again. And don't forget, you can leave me uh, email messages or a phone message and really be more a part of the show. That number again is 206-350-5333. I'd love to hear from you. I'm your host, Elisa Kreitman, always expanding your choices here on Just for Women, dating, relationships, and sex. Tune in next week for more juicy news you can use. Find more great shows like this on personallifemedia.com 